Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church, and with me as always is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Mr. Jeff Luddington. And we've got a question today in our series, Questions from the Classroom, that didn't actually come from the classroom, although we have talked about this in class before. Uh, Terry Sarati, a friend of ours from church, uh, shout out to her, actually sent us this question, and, and we've broken it down into kind of three questions. What is the unpardonable sin or blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? What is grieving the Holy Spirit, and are those the same thing? Well, let me just knock one out so we can feel accomplished this morning, <laughs> all right? So they're not the same thing. Uh, they're very different in fact. And so I think we'll take the big scary one. Uh, What is the unpardonable sin? What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? We'll take that first. And then we'll talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. And so why don't you get us started both with a definition of blasphemy and a passage by which we can look at this. Right. So the the definition from the uh, theological dictionary, also known as the Apple Dictionary. Yes, sir. Highly theological. Uh, blasphemy is the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God and or sacred things. So we'll look at a, a passage from Mark, uh, starting in Mark, Mark three twenty two. He says, setting up the scene, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. Yeah. The synoptic gospel, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all capture this moment Um, So here's the setting, the context, if you're listening and you're unfamiliar with this. uh, Jesus is performing miracles, casting out demons, and healing people. And as he does this, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leadership, come to him. And at one point, they accuse him of doing these things in God's name, right? He's doing these things to glorify God and, um, you know, bring notice to himself, but he's giving credit to God but they say that it's actually secretly Satan working within him to accomplish these things. So that's kind of the context. Hey, he's doing things in God's name, but no, 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 really, it's a secret satanic influence is kind of what they're saying. All right, so verses 23 to 26, uh, he, Jesus, called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Yeah, his, he leads with some parables. And this is that, uh, you know, often quoted by Christians and non-Christians alike, that a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so there's this parable. He says, listen, that if I was doing these things to bring note or glory or fame to God, but it was Satan that was doing it, you know, Satan being God's enemy and all, Satan would be working against himself. He says, so yeah, that wouldn't work, right? This is either of God or it's of Satan, but it can't be one pretending to glorify the other. And so this wraps up, there's another one verse parable in there, and then Jesus says, truly I say to you, All sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. He is guilty of an eternal sin. 
And then Mark adds in verse 30, a um, little clarification, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Yeah. There's this logic, right, in, in what Jesus is saying, like, hey, that makes no sense what you just said. And so he goes on to not only give them kind of a logical parabolic kind of comparison of a, a you know, a, a house or a strong man as the other one that we didn't read. Uh, but then he says this, yeah, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, even including blasphemies they utter. So speaking sacrilegiously, irreverently about God. Okay, so that's what blasphemy is. You read that definition earlier. Uh, he says, but, you know, big pivot, but whoever blasphemes, that's why I had you read the verse. I can't say that <laughs> word. Blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So he says, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And so he puts this out there as an unpardonable or unforgivable sin. So even though Terry was the one that asked this question, it does come up in, mm -hmm. in class. We hear students talk about this. Usually it comes up in class in response to the question, are there any unforgivable sins? Right. Um, students, rightly so, are concerned about doing something that they can't be forgiven for. I think adults as well. Uh, so it brings up a couple of thoughts in my mind. Number one, is this something we should be worried about? Is this a common sin that uh, may creep up on us? And then also, have you encountered any different different views or opinions about what this sin entails? Right. That's good. Um, I kind of go out of order. So I have heard people ask this question, students, adults uh, alike, and I've heard pastors and leaders give the answer that this is not something that you can do um, but rather, this is, at the end of your life, you die, you, you reject Jesus all your life, that this is just about rejecting Jesus. And I think that there's probably a place in somebody's heart where they're trying to say, hey, you haven't done this, I don't think this is doable, I'm not sure you should be concerned about this. I think it probably comes from a good place, but it's, it's not biblical, it's not sound theology, right? And, 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 if, and if it's not true, it's not very loving, right? We should caution people. Um, but to answer that, uh, Luke also captures this narrative, but a little bit differently. Uh, and he says this, it's Jesus speaking in Luke 12, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So Jesus gives us two things to think about. When we get asked a question by a student, like, hey, is there anything that's unforgivable? Um, I'm skeptical. I figure they want to do things they can be forgiven of. And so, hey, are we in, on you know, safe ground here, right? But they are asking what's unforgivable. And so Jesus says, listen, if you deny me all your life, I will deny you. So ultimately, I guess that's unforgivable, right? Now, it doesn't mean that if you deny Jesus once that you can't repent of that and be forgiven later, right? You could deny Jesus for 80 years, and then at 80 years old, you could come to faith. I've seen this happen. And live the rest of however long you live as a Christian, and, and you're a Christian. You know, you're forgiven for that. So you can deny Jesus all the way to your death, and Jesus says, I'll deny you. And then he says, but if you blaspheme, he says, you can blaspheme me. You can speak sacrilegiously or reverently about me, he says but not about the Holy Spirit. That's unforgivable. And so it clearly is a unique um, 
speaking sacrilegiously, uh, irreverently about the Holy Spirit. Um, let me ask you this question. We have a little bit of time in between these two. Um, what about the Catholic Church? Does the Roman Catholic Church view any other sins as unforgivable? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, they would, in one context, say no, and then in practice, they would say yes. And so there's an interesting answer, and I'll, I'll give you an example of suicide. Um, a lot of Christians, whether that's Orthodox, Catholic, or Protestant, a lot of Christians believe that suicide is unforgivable. And that is not true if you're Protestant, not that I'm championing suicide, but, uh, but in Roman Catholic theology, the death of Christ covers the sin that we inherit from Adam. But then we have the sacraments, penance, and confession, things like that, to deal with our own sin. So we're left responsible for dealing with our own sin. So the sin of suicide is not something you can do penance for, right? And again, a successful suicide act, not a, an attempt. I hate to say successful, it's terrible, but anyhow, one where the person actually dies. Uh, they can't repent after they die. They can't do penance, can't have last rites or, you know, things like that. Like all those things that could take care of their sin are not doable. So in practice, suicide becomes an unforgivable sin in Roman Catholic theology, even though they would say, uh, you know, that all things are forgivable except for the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So in practice, because they're, the person is now dead and doesn't have the opportunity uh, yes, but uh, most Christian theology says that there is one unpardonable sin that Jesus articulates as blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You asked a question earlier, should we be concerned? Like, did we do this, right? And I, I think that the, the answer I think would be no, um, uh, that we sh I, I think we should always be concerned about anything that Jesus says this strongly, but it is either saying or cursing or, or, or assigning yeah, demonic activity to the Holy Spirit today, which I don't know of anybody doing, or it is a unique sin that could be committed in Jesus' day in that three-year window of vocational ministry where they actually accuse him of you know, being empowered by Satan, not by the Holy Spirit. So it's either limited to that or it is you know, kind of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. We could do, I guess, that we could say sacrilegious things against the Holy Spirit. But I found that interesting. I was telling you before we, re we started recording, there are curse words where you talk about God or, you know, people smash their thumb and yell, Jesus Christ, and they definitely don't mean it in worship, right? But I've never heard anybody curse or, you know, have an, you know, a, 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 you know, use the Holy Spirit and that kind of, they don't smash their thumb and yell Holy Spirit. And so it's funny that that doesn't happen, right? It, it's It's not that kind of word. And so, yeah, I, I think it's probably something we should be aware of what it is, but not lay awake at night trying to recount the last 52 years of life and wonder if I ever slipped up and said something like that. All right, well, let's transition to the second uh, part of the question. We said there was a difference between uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. So let's look at grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start with Isaiah 63, verses 8 through 10. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not f deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy, 
and himself fought against them. Yeah, it's a, when you hear that, uh, the finish feels really strong, right? They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So there's the grieving the Holy Spirit part. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. But this is Isaiah. This is Old Testament. Uh, it is recounting the story of the people of God, right? Israel, the Jewish people. And it, you know, one of the most repeated stories in all of Scripture, but it is repeated constantly in the Old Testament, is the story of God delivering the Jewish people, the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt, right? The Exodus, right? And so they are, they're crying out to God, deliver us, we're enslaved, and, and these guys are tyrants, and they're hurting us, and, and you know, all this. And, and God hears their prayers, raises up Moses, delivers them through miraculous, powerful signs, you know, the ten plagues. And, uh, and then as they are on the run, they get chased by Egypt, and, and God leads them through, you know, the sea on dry land, and then kills Pharaoh's army, and then provides for them in the desert, you know, a pillar of cloud and pillar of fire and manna and, you know, yeah, water from a rock. I mean, amazing care, right? And then Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, so, you know, in response to God calling him up so God could give him uh, the commandments of how the people should live, and the people down below create a golden calf, and they begin to worship a false idol instead of the God who delivered them. And they, call, and they tell that golden calf, this is the God who saved you, right? Like, so you can just imagine God does all this for them. And then they worship a calf, a golden calf, which is just ridiculous, right? And, and then they say, this golden calf saved them. And so, yeah, they grieved God's heart, right? Uh, grief is something we understand. Uh, I'll, you know, my story, most people know my story and, you know, addiction, crime, jails, prisons, and, and uh, before I came to faith. And I'm assuming I caused my mom a lot of grief, right? Grief is that, those feelings of deep trouble, sorrow, or pain, right? And I caused those feelings for her. And so when we sin, when we do things, especially when we do things that are you know, giving someone else credit for what God has done for us, things like that. But we cause that sorrow, trouble, pain for God. He says you grieve his spirit. Yeah, and just the, the wording of Isaiah 63, just uh, the depth of that love, you see that in all their affliction, yeah. he was afflicted. Uh, he carried them all the days of old, and then they still turn against him. I think when we think of the, the phrase grieving the Holy Spirit, I think we normally think big sins, like you know, murdering somebody or, or adultery or... or Worshiping know. a golden calf. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, but we have an example in the, in the New Testament from Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, where he says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Yeah, we, we go from an Old Testament usage of grieving the Holy Spirit where uh, the people are being completely disobedient, right? Uh, and just denying the very God who has been there for them the whole time to a New Testament account where Paul is really speaking to, or, you know, writing to a church about how they speak to one another. 
you know, don't be bitter in your speech to one another. Don't be gossipy. Don't be slanderous, right? Don't talk poorly about the other people in the church. And it's this grieving the Holy Spirit verse, which is verse 30, is bookended by 29 and 31 about poor speech, right? Corrupt speech or gossipy speech or bitter speech, right? And then it closes in verse 32, like you said, be kind to one another, right? <laughs> like the outcome is, hey, instead of this, be kind, right? Like be gentle, forgive others as God has forgiven you in Christ, right? So the 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 finish of the Old Testament passage where um, they grieve the Holy Spirit and then it says, therefore he turned to be their enemy, doesn't mean unforgivable. It means they fought against God and God said, well, that's not how we do this, right? And Paul's is a lot less serious in his example, although I... I can say this from being a part of a church for you know a long time, leading, pastoring churches for a long time. The things that happen in church, the speech of people in churches can tear churches apart. Gossip is a killer, right? Slander is a killer, and it just ruins uh, churches. And so there is a legitimacy and a seriousness to it, but not to the level of unforgivable, unpardonable sin. It's not It's not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's just grieving. Like we cause God sorrow when we sin. No, all sin, big sin, little sin, sins against, especially like in this case in Ephesians, sins against other people in the church. Yeah, you get that that picture of a a parent and their kids are, are arguing or being mean to each other and just that, that grief that comes, or a parent who just doesn't feel that their, their children recognize and appreciate the things that they have done for them. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think they'll know we are Christians by our love, if we don't love each other, they won't Someone know. Someone should write a song about that. I, I should. Okay. I should. I should also throw in there, though, that, that you do grieve your, your pastor and yeah. your elders. Yes, when you, you should treat totally each other say poorly. that. There I, you go. Would, so I'm going to throw that in there. <laughs> we won't cut that part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we need to, to learn to love each other well the way that, that God loves us, forgive each other, show mercy to each other the way that, that we have been shown mercy, and to remember to... Um, thank God and appreciate him and live a life of gratitude. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. We especially want to thank Terry for sending in the question. Thank you, Terry. And uh, we would like you to share this, um, give it a like, subscribe to it, uh, tell your friends about it. And if you have questions, you can email us at questions at generations.email. We pray that you will have a blessed week and we look forward to having you join us again next Tuesday when we release the next episode. information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.